this Shabbos was uh, Shabbos Nachmu. Nachmu, of course, uh, means consolation. And uh, it's the Shabbos after Tishabov. Tishabov, of course, is all about the destruction of the temples, basically, and the mourning that is required of it. And then the Shabbos afterwards is called Shabbos Nachmu. Uh, because of we read the Torah Nachmu Nachmu Ami Yirma Elokechem, where the Rebbeinu Shalom says in the Novi, "Be consoled, be consoled." Says your God. That's what the, how it starts, and of course, therefore, we are in uh, Shabbos Nachmu, which was this Shabbos. I thought it would be a very appropriate to talk about Nachmu, really Nechoma. What is the real consolation? Of the Jewish people uh, and really there's a I can start off there's a very beautiful medrash in this Pasha uh, in uh, of the uh, the Haftarah of Nachmo where it says that at the end of time Knesset Israel, which are the Jewish people Knesset Israel means the totality of the Jewish people they will um, at the end of time the Rabbanu Shalom will approach them and uh, actually um, and, and Knesset Israel means the Jewish people will say you know why did we have to go through with all this we're talking about thousands of years of Golos uh, exile but it's not just the exile of the last 2,000 years even the uh, 2,000 years preceding from the time of Avram Avinu Abraham until the Roman uh, the destruction of the second base Amigdash all of this has been um, accompanied by a tremendous amount of uh, destruction, desolation, and, and uh, suffering. Enormous. Uh, you're talking about the Roman occupation. Before that were the Assyrians and the Greeks, you know, and the Jews have been the subject of tremendous suffering for 4,000 years. That's a long time on the scale of man's history. And of course, for the last 2,000 years, the Jews have been subject to enormous persecution, anti-Semitism. Uh, we're looking at um, Christianity, the persecutions of Christianity and the slaughter by Jews of uh, Christians, especially in the form of the Inquisition. The slaughter <coughs> by Christians of what? Jews? The slaughter of, by, no, the slaughter of Jews by Christians. And we're looking especially at the uh, pogroms <coughs> we're looking at the Inquisition, we're looking at the uh, persecutions, the expulsions of Jews from nations like the uh, 1492, the expulsions of the Jews from Spain, which is clearly because of, uh, uh, I think it's Torquemada, if I'm correct historically, uh, and, and so on, you know, and then of course we're talking about Holocaust, and of course without the Christian climate of denigrating and degrading Jews, Hitler could never have gotten away. I mean, you know, I've read, you read a lot of literature about that. Uh, and uh, because of 2,000 years of constant degradation and, uh, and uh, victimization of the Jewish people, that's why Hitler was able to get away with what he did. Because everybody wanted to do that, really. And there's always latent anti-Semitism. And even in America, you know, we see now more. And forget about the Arabs. I mean, we're not even talking about the, you know, the anti-Semitism of the Arabs and the nations of Europe 
beyond belief how the people hate the Jews. And what is so uh, remarkable about that, when you think about that, is that if you took away every contribution to civilization that the Jews gave the world, this world will revert back to the cavemen. Uh, and if you revert, I don't know if it started from the cavemen, which obviously it didn't, it started from other Mauritian, but uh, figuratively speaking, this place would look like a, you know, the cavemen, Neanderthals, crawling around uh, the world and so on. They would have nothing if you took away the contribution of the, what the Jewish people have given. So you'd think that the world would be incredibly thankful for the existence of the Jew. Instead, they're always looking ways to destroy Jews, to heap abuse, tremendous amount of uh, denigration and degradation on the Jewish people. So it's astounding when you think about that. Uh, and someday they have no idea what their payment will be, that God ultimately will seek retribution. And you can see that from the Navi, uh, what the Bansham says, that he's going to crush them because of, in terms of what they did. And uh, it's just incredible. They have no idea what is going to happen to them, all of them, whether it be uh, Europe and the Arabs and so on. But anyway, uh, so therefore at the end of time, the Rebbeinu says, Knesset Yisrael, which is the Jewish people at the end of time, I mean really at the end of time, you know, after in the, the Messianic era, where the Jews will be refused to be consoled. Because we cannot, we cannot, we cannot forget the 4,000 years of uh, incredible, hideous torture and persecution uh, by the non-Jews and so on. So what the Revolution will do, he's going to send Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, he's going to send the others, patriarchs, to go console, cons console the Jews. And it says in the Medjish that they will go, and each one tries to console the Jews, and the Jew says, say, forget about it. We're not interested. And then he sends Moshe Rabbeinu, and he sends Aaron HaKoyen, forget about it. He, they, no, and then he sends Shmuel HaNovi. He, you know, he sends a who's who in Judaism to try to console the Jews and nobody succeeds and the, so the Rabbani Shalom says God says I will go and console them because I'm the only one that can do that and that's how this Pasha begins Nachmu Nachmu be consoled be consoled God is talking to the Jewish people Yomer Elokechem says God God is talking to them and he says be consoled and they are consoled the question is, what does he do that they couldn't do? You see, okay, I mean, God is infinite in terms of his ability to persuade and speak. But we're talking about uh, the patriarchs, with Muhammad Shabbenu, what, they couldn't console the Jews? So the question is, what do they, what does the Rabbani Shalom do more than anybody else that he is successful? The second question you can ask is, why does it have a double lotion? Nachmu, be consoled, be consoled. Why does he say it twice? We know God doesn't stutter. So why would he have to say it twice? He just has to say, be consoled, and that's all. And another question is, why does it say, Yomelokechem? Says your God, and the word that they use to describe God is Elokim, which is God in terms of his attribute of justice as a judge, it really should say Yomar uh, Hashem with the uh, attribute of Yud Kei the four letter uh, name of God, which is mercy. 
be consoled, you know, because uh, God's going to show them the mercy of what he has done and so on. Uh, in any case, these are the questions you can ask from the Medrash. So that's the question. What is the true consolation of the Jewish people that they have suffered for thousands of years? Uh, now I'm going to bring down a well-known Gemara in Marcus. <coughs> At the end of Marcus, two interesting Gemaras. Uh, which I'm going to uh, learn with you, okay, together. And we're going to try to understand them at a certain level of depth. And you'll find that in the end, especially the second event, uh, really explains what the concept of Nechoma is. And that's really the Nechoma of the Jewish people. And it answers many questions, as you will see. So the first story is, Ukvahoyu Rabbi Gamliel, the great Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi El Ozer ben Azariah, famous, Rabbi Yoshua ben Hananiah, and of course Rabbi Akiva, right? All four of them. It means these are the greatest sages of Israel in their time. Mahalchen Bederach, they were walking on the way. They happened to be in Italy, as you'll see, you know, near Rome. <coughs> and then it says, Veshomu, and all four of them heard, Koil Hamoina Shel Roimi, Mipalta Berochoi. They heard the voice of the crowds of Rome. We have Mipalto from the palace, depending on how you want to learn the Mipalto, from the palace of, of Rome. Okay, Barochak. And where was Rome where, in terms of where they were? May of the Esra Mill, 120 mil. It's a question of how long is the mill is, but it's uh, at least 50, 60, 70 miles away. And they heard this tremendous ruckus noise. Obviously, you can't hear something, you know, uh, you know, uh, 60, 70 miles away. But what it does mean is that they heard the voice means as they were walking through the towns and the villages of Italy, right, they could see the incredible success, the security, the success, and the calmness of, of uh, the Italian countryside. And of course, it was all rooted in Rome because Rome was the emperor, the empire, right? <coughs> Okay, what happened? The and they began to cry. You know, because they, they saw what, what this incredible difference between the Jews' muzzle and the Goyim muzzle, especially Rome, you see. So they began to cry. Who? Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Elizabeth ben Azariah, and Rabbi Yeshua. But it says, Rabbi Akiva, Mesachik. Rabbi Akiva wasn't crying, he was... Uh, I don't know if Masachik means laughing or smiling, whatever it was, he was not doing what they were doing. Let's say he was smiling. Okay? So they looked at him, Amuloi, so they said to him, Why are you uh, smiling? I mean, we're taking a look at the incredible difference between the muzzle, the luck of Jews, and the luck of Rome. You know? Amulahem, so he said to them, Why are you crying? Interesting, a Jew answers a question with another question, right? Maybe this is where it comes from. But in any case, he asked them, why are you crying? These goyim, that they bow to idols, right? And they offer incense to avoid the Zorah. They are sitting, they are dwelling they're secure and they're calm. Tremendous, at peace, right? Vanachnu, right? Vanach, vanu, and we, 
base hadoim ragli elokim, the footstool of God is soruf boish, is burnt in fire, which is of course the destruction of the base hamigdash. This was after the destruction of the base hamigdash, right? <coughs> uh, so they were saying that these goyim boish really nifke, and we shouldn't cry. Uh, what they said to him is, these people are in tranquility and they're calm, right? And they have tremendous success. The goyim right in uh, of Rome and so on Rome they are you know uh, they're having tremendous uh, success in flourishing their civilization flourishes and our base amygdash which is the footstool of God where the divine presence used to be right is destroyed and burnt we shouldn't cry in looking at this incredible contrast so Omolahen so Rabbi Akiva said to these three Lokachanim Sachek and that's why I am laughing or smiling. And here's what Rabbi Akiva says: If this is the way God behaves or rewards those people who violate and rebel against them and then transgress, right? Right? Those people who do his will, how much more will he reward these people with incredible amount of uh, uh, reward, uh, tranquility and prosperity and so on. Uh, so that's the first story. <clears throat> the question is, what, is a, what, what does this story really mean? Okay, let's take a look. And then you have the second story, which is fascinating. Right, so you had these four people walking in Rome, or outside of Rome actually, about 70, 80 miles from Rome, whatever the distance is. And they're walking along the countryside, which is, you know, the, the places, the villages and so on. Yeah. And they just see it's incredible security, tranquility, success, you know, in every which way you can imagine, right? And, and, and with us, right, Eretz Israel, it's all taken by the Romans. The base I make this, is burnt, destroyed, the footstool of God, they call it, right? Because sort of like God puts his feet on the base Hamikdash, and that's where he resides, right? And that's burnt. So we shouldn't cry. What were they, what were they, what bothered them, or what concept were they focusing on? And the answer is the transfer. The transfer, as I mentioned last week, of the sparks of holiness to the other side. Uh, that's what it is. That the Jews... If you remember what I said last week, that when the Jews sinned, then the Sultan is able to take from these sparks of holiness, right? And he uses it to give to the Goyim so that they should destroy, and more accurately, they should try to get the Jews to sin so the Sultan can grow an enormous amount of strength, right? And that's the transfer. See, when the Jews sin, then the Sultan gets it, and the non-Jews, and when the Jews do mitzvahs, then they get the enormous power of Kedusha holiness, right? And the other side begins to diminish. Uh, so what they're commenting on is a tragedy that we have lost. Remember, I, I mentioned this last week <clears throat> in the Tishbov Shir, that the Jews are privy to two specific gifts. And we say that in the brachas in the morning, right? We say, Oize Yisrael Bigvura. He girds, he surrounds Israel, Jews, with tremendous strength. And the second, next bracha is, Oiti Yisrael B'Sifara. He crowns Israel with Tiferous beauty. And I mentioned what that is. Those are the two gifts. Because that's what the Shekhinah has. 
The Shekhinah has Teferis and Oiz. What is that? Teferis is incredible chokhmah, wisdom. And Oiz is Hatzloch and Might. Those are the two ingredients that will do everything for you. Right? So therefore, the Jews have that. They have Teferis and Oiz. Right? But instead, what happened? The Teferis and Oiz, which the Jews used to have, was transferred to the Sultan. And now this Teferis and Oiz is what the, the, the Romans have. The Goyim. You see? And the base Hamigdash of the Jews destroyed. And they have the Teferis and Oiz. They have the beauty and the might. And the Hatzloch, the success. You see? So they were bemoaning the, the transfer we used to have, what we used to have, to the other side. Which is tragic, obviously. And I mentioned the Posik, which we say in Tachnun uh, every morning. Admosai Shvi. How long will your uscho, will your might, success, power, bashvi, be in captivity, which means the other side, the non-Jews, right? And your beauty be at and your beauty in the hands of the enemy, because it's in captivity in the hands of the enemy, and they use it against the Jewish people, obviously, uh, to get them to sin. So therefore, if they do, then the Satan can nourish off the kid, more Kedusha of the Jewish people, you see. So this is what they were bemoaning, the fact that, and crying about, the fact that there's been this incredible transfer from the, these, the, uh, from the gifts of the Jewish people, which is what the Shekhinah has, okay? And this has been transferred to the Goyim, you see? So that's, that's an incredible tragedy, and so on. <clears throat> but Rabbi Akiva was different. Rabbi Akiva <clears throat> looked... He didn't look at the transfer or the desolation of the Jewish people. He looked at what the Goyim had. And from that he derived a tremendous Nechoma, consolation. You see the difference? They were focusing on what we lost. He was focusing on what the Goyim got. And in that itself is a Nechoma. What was a Nechoma? Because if these people, right, who worship idols, who do in many ways terrible things, right? They worship idols as it says here. Right? And they bow down and offer incense and so on. And they tremendously transgress and violate, rebel against God. If God rewards them, because they are deserving of reward at some level, right? What does that show you? That's the concept of Midas Tuvoy. That the attribute of God in terms of his goodness is incredible. That doesn't make a difference, even if you worship idols, right? And you're terrible. You know, you're a real sinner, and you're a real Russia, evil man. If you deserve the reward, then you get the reward. It doesn't cancel out. So what Rabbi Akiva said, and look, take a look at the Romans. They're, they're living a life, uh, a great life, right? Uh, so that demonstrates the incredible meter, measure, or characteristic of God. That if you deserve it, you get it. Right? Even if you're incredible Russia, how much more so are the Jews who do the will of God, right? Who worship God, do the rule, basically, I mean, they sin also, but basically they do the will of God, they do the mitzvahs. How much more so will God repay them and reward them for what they have done? You see? So it's interesting. They looked at the tragedy, the desolation, and the loss, and the destruction. Therefore, they cried. But Rabbi Akiva was always into looking for the good, which is interesting. You see, 
He's known for that, which I'll uh, comment on that. And therefore, he would look at the actual, uh, uh, not the loss, but actually what is happening, and he would realize, you know, that this is an incredible demonstration of the incredible characteristics of the Rabbana Shalom. That if, this, if they are rewarded, even though they're terrible, how much more so will the Jews be rewarded at, the, of course, the appropriate time, you see. So in that very event, he was able to look at consolation, which means that eventually God will, of course, reward the Jews and restore their greatness. This is Rabbi Akiva. And we know Rabbi Akiva would always do this because his Rebbe was Nochem Ishgamzu, famous, uh, very f- famous person, Nochem Ishgamzu. Nochem, his name was Nochem Ishgamzu, a man that used to say, Gamzu Latoiva, this also would be for the good. So they nicknamed him Nochem Ish, a man, Gamzu, that's always saying, Gamzu Latoiva, this also will be for the good. Was what Nochem Ishgamzu always saw, that everything is always for the good, ultimately, you see. And Rabbi Akiva was his student. And, uh, and in fact, the famous statement of Rabbi Akiva is called Milsu di Ovid Rachmano. Everything that God does, the Tav Ovid, is only for the good. So therefore, he would look at the actual event, which seems terrible, and he would see the good in it. You see? So in that way, he was able to derive a tremendous consolation. His own life story, how he became Rabbi Akiva. Yeah. It's the same optimism. Yeah, well, you mean the water dripping on the... Uh, yeah, and how it changes the That's right, <clears throat> yeah. So this is one story, <clears throat> you know, in terms of what a constellation is. <clears throat> that sometimes you have to look at the event itself. Forget not only the loss and the tragedy, you know, because if you look at that, you'll be doing what they did, right? And you'll be crying, but if you look at the, what is the actual event, you know, which is so disturbing, then in that event itself, that reveals a tremendous nechoma. And that's what Rabbi Akiva was able to take out of that. Then there's another story. This story is really a classic. And from here is the answer why God can console the Jews and nobody else could do it, which I had mentioned in Medrash. Here's the story. <clears throat> Shuv, <clears throat> again, Pamachas, one time they were oil in Yishlaim, they went to Jerusalem. They're out of Rome, right, and they're back in Israel, and they're walking in, uh, in Jerusalem. Kivan Shegilahab Ahatsufim, right? If you ever remember the Ahatsufim, the Hebrew University is up there, but the view, it's called Sufim because it overlooks. You could see, Sufim means to see. It's an incredible view of the old city. Not just of the, of the whole Harabayas. If you ever go to Israel, make sure you go to Haratzoyfim, which, by the way, the Hebrew University is Haratzoyfim, and Hadassah Medical Center is also in Haratzoyfim. But there's, one, there's a view there, which is incredible. You can see the whole, the, uh, the Harabayas, you see the mosque, and you see the whole wall. It's an incredible view of the old city. Anyway, that's why it's called Haratzoyfim. So they, they reached this Haratzoyfim, right? Then it says, Korah Big Dehem. So they witnessed the destruction, because it was destroyed, obviously. And they rent their garments, in terms of Avedis. Kivan Shehigiu Laharabayas, right? Then they kept going, and then they actually walking toward the Beis Amigdash, the Harabayas. So it says, Ro Shul. 
They saw a fox. Shiyotzmi base Kodesh HaKadoshim. It's astounding. There was a fox that came out of the Holy of Holies. Uh, you can imagine what that is? An animal. He was living in the Holy of Holies. Right? <clears throat> so what happened? So they started crying. Obviously. You know, uh, you know, a fox coming out of that. This was the Holy of Holies where an angel couldn't even go into that place. Right? And if a human went in, not on the time of Yom Kippur, or he was Kohen Gadol, he died. Right? So what's now? It's not only is it not the base Hamikdash, and it, ma- uh, uh, humans don't even live there. It's animals that live there. Could you imagine the utter desolation and degradation of the holiest place on the planet, and of course, probably the universe? Uh, so what happened? They started crying. Again, same idea. And what was time Rebbe Kiva? He was either smiling or laughing, whatever. I don't think he was laughing, but he clearly was smiling, you know. Uh, so, similar conversation. Omuloi, so they said to him, Why are you smiling? And you know, this is not even Rome where the Kedusha of the Jews were transferred to the Romans, right? This is the Beis HaMikdash, right? Where the, in, in utter destruction, desolation, why are you smiling? <coughs> so Rebecca Kiva said to them, Why are you crying? Same idea as before, right? So so they said to him, Mokum boy, this place, the Pasik says about it, that anybody who's a non-coin, if he enters this place, he's dead. He dies, right? And now we see foxes coming out of this place. Remember what I said? Not only is it not what he called the base of English, but it's not even habitable by man. Animals are living there. We shouldn't cry. So Again, this is why I am smiling. Why? So he brings a, uh, a posset. <coughs> It says in Yeshayahu, and God is saying, I will bring to me witnesses, true witnesses, who, Uriah Cohen, I'm going to bring Uriah Cohen, who prophesied in the first base of Migdash that the base of Migdash would be destroyed. And Zechariah prophesied in the second base of Migdash, right, that there would be a redemption. I'm going to bring both of them. To testify. <clears throat> so Rabbi Akiva says, Why did God want to bring two witnesses? One who flourished, who lived in the base of Migdash, Rishayim, and one, and he prophesied about the destruction. And one who lived in the second base of Migdash, <clears throat> right, and he prophesied about the ultimate redemption. Elo, right, why mention these two people as witnesses? Elo, Tola Kosov, Nuvoso, Shazachariah, the, the Posset makes the prophecy of Zechariah, which is about the redemption, the Gula, it makes the redemption dependent on the destruction. <coughs> By Uriah, it says, as a Posset, because of your sins, Zion will be plowed like a field. That's the destruction. 
And by Zechariah it says, Oh, Yeshu Zekenim Uzekenos, there will yet be old men and old women in the streets of Jerusalem. That's the redemption. That's ultimately what's going to happen. Uh, so Rabbi Akiva continues, Actually, in his Kaimo until the prophecy of, of Uriah was fulfilled, which is the destruction, I would say, I would say that if it wasn't destroyed, right, then the Nevoah of redemption will not be fulfilled. But now I see that Uriah was right, that the base of this was destroyed. It definitely will happen. <coughs> That the, the prophecy of Zechariah will be fulfilled, which means that there will be a redemption. That's what he's saying. So, so the Gemara says, in this expression is what they said to him. Akiva nichamtonu, Akiva, you have consoled us. Akiva nichamtonu, Akiva, you have consoled us. That's the Gemara. Very interesting Gemara. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, so it would seem that what Rabbi Akiva was consoling them is that, listen, you know, the redemption will occur and someday it'll be great. And that's why I'm smiling. But the, really this Gemara is a very difficult Gemara to understand. Let's go back to the beginning of this Gemara and you'll see the questions. Okay? If you really think about it. <clears throat> Again, um, at one time they were going to Jerusalem. When they got to the Harat Sufim, right, they rent their garments. And when they got to the Har Bias, they saw a fox coming out of the base of Migdash. You see? Who cares what came out of the base of Migdash? Was it a fox, porcupine? Like, what's the big deal about a fox, you know, that the Gomorrah has to say, by the way, it was a fox. It should have just said, hey, it was an animal that came out of this place. Do I care if it was a fox or not? Okay? So they started crying. Rebbe Akiva was smiling, right? So uh, they said to him, what, what are you smiling about? So he said, well, why are you crying? So I don't understand that. You know, I can't say why they asked him why you're smiling because that's inappropriate. Why is he asking them, well, why are you crying? It's obvious why they're crying. That's why we mourn, we cry in Tishabov. You know, like, what, 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 what's the question here? You know, their question was appropriate. His question doesn't make sense. Why are you crying? What do you mean, why are you crying? Of course you cry. And what's what Rebbe Akiva hold? You don't have to cry, right? You don't have to mourn because there will be a redemption. So what do we have Tishaba for? What do we need it for? Let's all, let's all sit down and smile on Tishabov like Rebbe Akiva. You see what I'm saying? So what, what does all this mean? Uh, what in the world is Rebbe Akiva saying? Uh, and, and so on. <clears throat> Yeah, so the question is, and not only that, why again is he answering a question with another question? You know what I'm saying? That's, what is he doing that for, right? Remember the, the, you know, the, old, the old joke, you know, where a Jew is on the stand, right? And the, and the lawyer and the prosecutor is uh, always uh, is asking this guy, right? And the Jew keeps answering with a question. The prosecutor says, well, did you see it? Well, what do you think? You know, I mean, and, and the guy continuously is answering all the prosecutor's question, right, with, uh, with, with another question. So finally, the ju judge is irritated, and he looks at the guy and says, excuse me, you, you know, you don't understand, you're the defendant. Why are you always answering the prosecu 
create his question with another question. So the Jew looks at him and says, why not? Anyway, <clears throat> Uh, so so that, that's the question. Why is he asking these questions? It's obvious why they're crying. Why is he answering with a question and so on? And of course he holds that you have to, uh, for, what do you call it, crying Tishabov? I mean, Rabbi Kiva doesn't hold him Tishabov? Like, what's that supposed to mean? So they answer him, you ask us why we're crying? So they say, a place that it says that a nine coin that goes into this place, he will die, and now foxes are coming out of it. We, we, we don't cry? It's obvious. What's, what, what's, what's Rabbi Akiva's question? So he says to them, therefore I'm smiling. Why? So ultimately what he's saying is that there will be redemption. You see? But what's also a little difficult is to understand is, what do you mean? That the, the prophecy of Zechariah, which is redemption, depends on the prophecy of Uriah, which is destruction. Well, obviously, if it's not destroyed, I can be redeemed. I, you know, what does it mean that the this, the the, um, the redemption of the Jewish people and the base of Migdash depends on its destruction? It's obvious, you see. Uh, so he answers, okay. So uh, until the destruction, I didn't think there would be a redemption. Now that there's a redem uh, destruction, I know sure there be a, there surely will be a, uh, a a redemption. Now that there's a destruction, surely there will be a a uh, redemption, a guula that the base of Migdash will be rebuilt and so on, you know? Um, so, like, what's the Chiddush here? You know, of course there'll be a redemption. Like, what, what, what's he informing these people? That there will be a redemption? We know that. <coughs> so then the Gemara says that Beloshin Hazer, that the rabbis, Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Yeshua, and Rabbi Elizabeth Azaya, answered him, Beloshin Hazer, in this manner. Why is it, why is it, why is the Gemara tell, telling us how they answered Rabbi Akiva? Why is that important? So they say, Akiva nichamtonu, Akiva you have consoled us, Akiva nichamtonu you have consoled us. What was the consolation? Not only, you know, notice again, they said it twice, Akiva you have consoled us, and Akiva you have consoled us, they said it twice. Right? Why? Why are they doubling up? Mamai said that the Pasik says, Nachmu, Nachmu. Is there some type of connection here? See? So there are, there are many questions that you, one can ask about this story. I'm trying to understand what, 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 what is this story really all about? You see? So what we need to do is to go back. And you need to understand the principle. What the principle is this. <clears throat> Let's assume a father is raising a child. Right? The kid's a teenager, right? The kid takes for granted everything that the father did. For granted, right? He doesn't listen to the father, right? He, he rebels against the father, you know, and so on. So what is the father going to do? So the father says, listen, this guy has no understanding of what I do for him, right? So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to throw him out of my house. You see? And then what's going to happen? He's going to understand exactly what I do for him, and he's going to miss it, and he's going to mourn. And that mourning is necessary for the child to understand what he lost. So it comes out that the mourning that the child has for what he did is what's called the tikkun, rectifies the sin of taking for granted the father. That's the problem, you see. Mourning, crying over a loss, 
is a rectification of what you lost because you are clearly indicating you know what you lost you mourn and that is a tikkun a rectification a repair of what you did and then the father could take back his child and say okay you now understand what I do for you come back into my house therefore we see that the loss in the morning is the tikkun is the rectification of the sin that caused the destruction of the temple you see it's a very important idea Tishabov is the refuah the morning that we undo on Tishabov the morning, right? That is the tikkun, the rectification of how to get the base Amigdash back. Because our morning clearly indicates that we understand what we did, we understand what we lost, you see. And therefore, that enables us and provides us with the way to get back the base Amigdash. Because then the Rabbanisham says, you now understand what you lost, you understand what you did that caused the loss, Right? And therefore, since you mourn and you realize what you miss, I will give it to you back. It's the undoing of why it was destroyed in the first place. Very important, you soid, you see. So, now with that understanding, now let's go back and revisit the story. And you'll see how everything is answered. Okay? <clears throat> One time, they were walking up to Jerusalem, and when they got to the Harat Soifim, they rent their clothing. Notice, it says Koru. They all ripped their clothing. Hey, wait a minute. It's Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Elozim and Azariah, Rabbi Yeshua, and Rabbi Akiva. You see? He was involved in the morning. You see? So, of course, Rabbi Akiva realizes that Tishabov is for mourning. Right? When you see the base of Migdis destroyed, of course what it means is that you need to cry and mourn, and that is the tikkun. So he was involved with that. You see? Then it says they got to the Harabais, and they saw a fox coming out. What do we care if it's a fox? Because a fox is known as what? As a sly creature. A fox is known as a tremendously, that's the reputation of a fox, very cagey, very bright, very smart as far as animals go. And that's why we say he outfoxed me. Right? That's the origin of the whole concept of, of, uh, of that word, he outfoxed me, and so on. Uh, so what the Barsham did is interesting. What he did is he prepared the fox that that would be the animal that comes out when they approach. Why? Because what the fox is saying what you see is not what is. The destruction of the temple looks like it's a destruction, but really it's a refuah, it's a tikkun. Because once the Besamekdash is destroyed and you mourn, that is the tikkun. You see, the rectification of your sin, you see, happens through the destruction of the Besamekdash. And without the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, you people, all of you, would never have rectified the sin. So that's what the symbol of a fox is. You're looking at a destruction, but we know what it really is. It's really the repair. It is really the rectification. That is why it had to be destroyed. So that's why it's a fox. The fox is saying, in a sly way, what you see is not what is. 
What you're really looking at is the refuah, the cure, the repair, not just the destruction. And now we understand what Rabbi Akiva was saying. So Rabbi Akiva said, so they started crying, and of course he was smiling, because he saw, he understood what the fox was saying, that this is the tikkun. Without this destruction of the temple, you cannot be redeemed, because you're not mourning. You don't recognize what you did. So Rabbi Akiva saw that immediately. So he smiled. You see? So they didn't understand what Rabbi Akiva was doing. So they looked at Rabbi Akiva and said, what are you smiling for? You see? Which was obvious, you know? So he said to them, why are you crying? What do you mean, why are we crying? It's obvious. No. What he was saying is that you don't understand. When you look at the space of English, you're crying. Why are you crying? Because the crying, the base of English, the destruction is meant to do what? Is meant to make you cry and that is the repair. That's what he meant. That the fact that you people are crying, <clears throat> right, is exactly why this base of English was destroyed. So he didn't ask them why they're crying. Of course he knew. But what he said is what? Why are you crying? Because that crying itself will repair the damage of the base of Middush and bring the redemption. So they said that, then they said, of course, what are you crying? Uh, it says that a non-coin goes into it. Of course he will die. And now foxes come out. So he said, That's why I'm smiling because you're crying. So I see that you're doing exactly what has to happen to repair the destruction. And I'm smiling that you guys are doing it. What are you doing? You're crying. I'm witnessing exactly what the destruction of the base of Migdash has to do for you. You see? And you're doing it. You're crying. Crying is the medicine. That's what Rebbe Kibbe was really saying. Because you're crying, that's exactly why I'm laughing or I'm smiling because your crying is the medicine that will bring back the base of Mikdash. It's a dialogue where each one understands from their perspective and they're missing each other. So finally Rebbe Kibbe says, okay, I see you're not getting it. Let me, let me go more, okay? And he brings the psukim uh, where the Pesach says, I will bring Uriah, the Kohen, uh, as witnesses and Zechariah, right? So uh, Uriah, Rebbe Kiva says, was in the first place to make this and he prophesied about the destruction. Zechariah was in the second and he prophesied about the ultimate redemption. Uh, you see, what connection does one have to the other? So here's what Rebbe Kiva said. The Jews sinned and until the base of Migdash was destroyed, there would be no tikkun. Uh, there would be no mourning, no crying. And you need that to restore the second base of Mikdash for the Gula. And that's what he says. If the first base of Mikdash, by, if, 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 until now I thought that the base of Mikdash was what? Was not destroyed. So how could there be redemption? Because the sin of the Jews is still here. Uh, so without the destruction, which is the medicine, there will be no redemption. But now that I see that the prophecy of the first destruction is true. Therefore, the medicine is now here. And now I know there will be gula because the mourning is the medicine. You see? Now that I know that you're taking the pills, I know there will be a, a, a redemption. You see? And that's what he told them. What Rebbe Kiva said, of course, he didn't tell them that there will be a redemption. Of course, everybody knows there's a redemption. But what he said is that the whole meaning of the Choban bias was only as a medicine that they should mourn, cry, and that will be the refuah to bring the redemption. Ah, so they said to him, 
And that's why the Chazal say, Beloshen Azeb. So the rabbis answered Rebbe Akiva in this expression, which is the exact same expression as the Posuk. Be consoled, be consoled my people. That's why they're saying this. What was that? Because what did God do? What's the main consolation that God does? How did he do it? None of the others, Moshe and Aaron, all the Nevi'im, they couldn't do it. Why? Uh, because all they could say to the Jews <clears throat> is that, don't worry, the redemption will be over. It's over. And that, of course, is a tremendous consolation. But a guy said, but why did I have to go through this? They couldn't answer that. Nobody knows why. Oh, you see, it's like, you know, they, 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 in Cuba, you know, Castro used to put guys in prison, political prisoners, for no reason. They were guys there were for 25 years because they opposed that Russia, you see. So imagine one day the door opens and the guy walks out. Uh, so of course there's a tremendous consolation, the fact that he can walk out and he's free. But why did I spend 25 years behind bars for nothing? How do you console a person for that? So the, the uh, Ovis, Moshe, they couldn't console in terms of why. They can just say it, it will be over and it's over. Okay, thank God for that. But the Jewish people, what they were really saying is, okay, we know it's over. Why did we have to suffer for 4,000 years? Nobody can answer that. Only the Rabbi Hashem can answer that. And that's why the Pasuk says, Nachmu, Nachmu, right? It says in the post, Nachmu, be consoled, which means that, that the, that the what? That the, your goalless, your suffering will end, and then Nachmu, be consoled, because I'm going to tell you why you needed it. That this was the medicine, and without that, you could never be redeemed. <coughs> you see. And therefore, Nachmu means be consoled that you will have a gula, redemption. And Nachum will be consoled, the second language, right? That I will tell you exactly why you, you were uh, uh, in exile, suffering. <coughs> and what you realize is that the first concept of suffering and that it was over was purely for the necessity of being able to redeem you in the first place. That was the medicine. So then a person understands. <coughs> You mean, if I didn't suffer, if I didn't have the destruction of the temple, I could never be redeemed? Yes. Because that destruction and suffering is the vehicle, is the wherewithal that allowed the redemption to take place. And the only one who could say that is God, because he's the only one that knows exactly what he has to do to save the Jews from, from, the, from the sins and so on. And that's why it says, says your God, Right? And the name it uses is Elohim, which is a judge, because the suffering itself right, uh, satisfies the judgment. So God, as the judge, had to give them this suffering. Uh, so therefore, justice asserts that they deserve to be redeemed. Uh, so it was God as the God of justice that made sure they would suffer. So therefore, even justice now is satisfied that they deserve to be redeemed. You see, and that's why it says, And therefore, what they said to Rabbi Akiva, you have consoled us twice, same way God has consoled the Jewish people. Be consoled that what? That there will be a redemption, which we know. 
but that the whole concept of redemption is merely to be a vehicle, a wherewithal, an instrument to arrive at the redemption itself. Uh, so that's why they say, Akiva, okay, Akiva Nichamtonu, Akiva, you have consoled us again, but that we know that of course there will be redemption. But you have consoled us again by clearly pointing out that the suffering itself is cause for joy. Why? Because that is what's going to get me out of the problems, you see. And that's why the Gemara says, Beloshan Hazer, to tell you that they are expressing to Rebbe Akiva the exact way that God addressed the Jewish people, <coughs> which is two expressions of Nechoma. <coughs> now you understand many things from that. Because it says, there's a time of what? Of tremendous problems, difficulties to Yaakov. And from it he will be saved. Uh, so what that means is not that he will be saved, which we know. But because of it, and from it, because of the tsaris, you will be saved. You see, the Pasuk means something different. And that is why, why does it say that the Mashiach will be born on Tishbov? Why? Why Tishabov? Why will Tishabov ultimately be a moyed, a holiday? Why will it be a, a time of tremendous joy? Uh, it doesn't make sense. Uh, okay, so Tishabov, tremendous destruction. But why should that become joyful? You know? Uh, and why should the Mashiach be born then? And the answer is you now understand. Uh, because the whole reason why the Mashiach could come is only because Tishabov occurred. Because that is the medicine. And therefore, it's not that he will be born on Tishabov, which he may, but that Tishabov will give rise to the Mashiach. Because Tishabov is the Khurban, is the destruction, it is the suffering, but really it's the refuah, the cure. Uh, you see, it's the medicine. And therefore, from that medicine that the Jews have taken and mourned, that is the refuah, and that brings the Mashiach. See, that's what it means. Not that he will be born. <coughs> what it really means is that Tishabov is the wherewithal. If there wasn't a Tishabov, there wouldn't be a redemption. Therefore, Tishabov in and of itself serves as the vehicle that brings the Mashiach. And that is why he's born on that day. It's all different understanding. And also, it says, anybody who mourns, right? mourns Jerusalem, the destruction of Jerusalem. So, he will merit and he will see, right, as Binyana, the, uh, the building of Jerusalem. The question is, uh, it should just say, anybody who mourns Jerusalem will see the building of Jerusalem. What do you mean he will merit and then see? Because if you mourn on Tishabov, <coughs> that's the medicine. That's the merit. And therefore you will see the redemption of Jerusalem. Makes sense. <coughs> because if there was no Tishabov, you wouldn't see uh, the redemption. Therefore anybody who partakes in the mourning of, uh, of, um, of uh, the, the destruction of the temple, <coughs> right? That is the schos, because that's the reform. That's the medicine. That's the merit. And therefore he will see the building of Jerusalem. There's also an interesting Napoleon. Uh, Napoleon once came, you know, he conquered the, uh, he was all over the place, Napoleon. 
But he once went to a uh, shul. He was walking in this town and he, he walked by a building that he clearly saw was a synagogue. But he saw it was dark inside. So he had his guys, his soldiers, knock on the door. Anybody here? Maybe he wanted to visit it, whatever. So all of a sudden he found the whole shoe was filled with people. And they were all sitting there on, you know, on, the, on, the, on the ground. She said, what's going on here? So well, today your lights are gone and you're sitting on the ground because today was Tisha B'Av. And they told him, we're mourning for the temple that was destroyed. That's what they told him. <clears throat> so he asked them, he said, wow, when did this happen? Like recently? You know? He said, no, it didn't happen recently. About 1900 years ago, 1800 years ago. Uh, he said, I don't believe this. You guys are mourning a building that was destroyed 1800 years ago? So they said, yes. And we mourn for the destruction. And we look forward to its construction, its building, its resurrection. So he said to them a very interesting thing. He said, you know, I want to tell you something. You guys are still connecting to the past. You mourn now, but what you're really doing is you're still remembering and connecting to the past. That I want to tell you, it will definitely be rebuilt. Because if you guys are still connected to the past, then you're going to do everything in your power to get the base of Mingus rebuilt again. <clears throat> and that story really answers the question. Because it says anybody who mourns Jerusalem, right? Zoycha, it shouldn't say Zoycha will merit, it should Yizkeh, he will merit the future tense, right? And Yira, he will see the destruction of the temple. Why does it say Zoycha, he merits now? Uh, and he will see now? Because what that means is somebody who mourns something that happened so many years ago, right? And he still connects to that past, then as far as we're concerned, it definitely will happen. Because it's not like, well, it happened now, forget about it. No, since it lies in your consciousness, it definitely will happen. And therefore, as far as, as, far as we're concerned, as far as the present, the, the Jews are concerned, it's happening, now. it's happening now. Yeah, our connection itself means it's happening now. Uh, not just because it's a refuah, because the Jews will be actively <coughs> trying to rebuild it. That's an interesting uh, story about Napoleon that actually gives an understanding of why it's in the present tense. <laughs> because as long as you connect it to a previous event and never forget it, then it's happening now. This itself will allow you, definitely, that it will again re be resurrected and so on, you know. But from all of this, we see a really a fascinating concept. And of course, how come Rabbi Akiva could see this and they didn't? Same idea, because Rabbi Akiva was always in the Gamzul Toiva. Rabbi Akiva could look at a tragedy and the tragedy itself would give the Nechoma, would give the consolation. Because his Rebbe was Gamzu Lutoiva, Nochamish Gamzu. He had that, that, what's called in English, he had that cognitive style. Oh, you see, so he was always aware and alert that the real consolation lies in the Chorban itself. And that was the fox. Fox is saying, hey, you see destruction, but that's not really what is. What is, is Redemption. That destruction you really is the redemption because that's the medicine that will bring the redemption. Uh, and that's what Rabbi Akiva said, you see, that the reason why all the Tsaros has happened, why? We know it's over, but why? Is because the Tsaros is the medicine for the redemption. And if the Tsaros didn't happen, you could never be redeemed. 
Once the Jews hear that, they say, wow. So not only do we understand what it means, we got to thank God that he gave us the medicine. Uh, you see? Uh, not only, you know, do we have to be, thank God it's over, but we have, to th we have tremendous consolation and thank God that he saved us with the destruction, you see, and the tremendous amount of suffering. On the contrary, and only God can provide that nechama. And in the end of time, every Jew will know exactly what happened to him. Even if, like I said, he put his hands in his pocket to feed the meter. You know, instead of coming out with a quarter, he came out with a nickel. Oh, it's a little suffering. It's, it's a little, what he called, a little uh, frustration. Why? Why does that have to happen? Because if you really think about it, why would the Bershom want to do anything? Why would he create a being and give him frustration, annoyance, anger, right? Or terrible disease, or God, or bankruptcies, or divorce. Why? The Bershom doesn't do this. The God doesn't do this. The, so the answer is always, <clears throat> because every single measure <clears throat> of suffering, or whatever, in, in whatever form it is, is always the wherewithal to achieve the ultimate redemption. We don't see that. And that is also why it says, just like you make a bracha on bad, <coughs> you must make a bracha on good. Like, excuse me, reverse. Just like you make a bracha on good, you have to make a bracha on bad. Why? Because as far as God is concerned, there is no bad. It's always good. Because even the bad will ultimately bring you to the good. That's why. Same, it's the same concept over and over again, you see. But the problem is we, we lack the perspective. We don't see this. To us, it's terrible. And there's so much suffering among the Jewish people today, especially and so on, you know. But thou, 4,000 years of incredible amount of suffering and gullous exile, persecutions, inquisitions, you know, uh, being burned at the stake, concentration camps, who can understand this? Uh, but in some day when the Mashiach comes, all of this will be explained. And what we realize at that point in time, like I said, you know, is that if this suffering had not occurred, there could be no Geula. And that is the ultimate consolation. You see? That without the suffering, there is no redemption. Although we don't understand. And that will be the greatest of all the consolations. And that's what God means, Nachmu, Nachmu. Be consoled, it will end. But be consoled, I'm going to explain to you exactly, minute by minute, why things happen to you. And you will realize an awesome principle, that all of this is designed to make sure you are redeemed. That's why it has to happen. You see? So in the end, which is really when things are incredible, every Jew will look at the Rabbanishim and say, thank you. Because in the end, they realized that without this, there would be no gula, there's no redemption. And that we see from this beautiful Gemara of Rabbi Akiva. <coughs> the Rabbi Akiva saw, sees that it was only the destruction that enabled, from Uriah, when he prophesied, that enabled the redemption itself of Zechariah. And that's what he told these Chazal, that the fact that you cry is a great sign, and that's why I'm smiling, because you guys are doing the medicine. That's why I'm smiling. Interesting dialogue, how each one misunderstood, or rather they misunderstood Rebbe Akiva. And that's a beautiful uh, the concept, you know, uh, what the real concept of why it says, nachmu, nachmu, twice.
what the real Nechom of Klai Yisrael is, ultimately, that we will understand, all of us, why every single thing happened, and the real concept is, the punchline, that if it hadn't happened, we would not be redeemed. We'd never make it to Ilam Abba. That's the consolation. Any questions? So, you're saying that the <coughs> mourning itself and the suffering are both vehicles well, towards redemption? Correct, exactly. That's right. Well, the mourning is the suffering. When you mourn, you suffer. It's called grief. But it's more than that. You said it's, 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 it's more specific. To, the suffering is, is um, <coughs> we, don't, we don't really understand right now how it matches up. Uh, but it looks arbitrary. But the mourning is more of <coughs> show that you want something that you spurned originally. Yes. So yeah. That's, yeah. So but that's it's, it's associated with tremendous grief. Grief is always suffering, you know. Yeah? In the first episode, when the <coughs> rabbis yeah. were in Rome. In Rome, yeah. And they were going to Rome, and did, did they tell Rabbi Akiva they were consoled with that first episode? No. So, <coughs> in the second episode... Because there was no consolation. All he said was that if God rewards evildoers, right? then he's going to reward us. Yeah, okay, so he'll reward us someday, right? But right now, we're all suffering. You know, there was no, there was no consolation in that. It was just an explanation uh, that don't despair. God will ultimately reward you. But the real consolation, yeah, but why did you destroy your base amygdala? You see, that was not answered. Why is this that the base amygdala is destroyed? Rabbi Kivin never answered that. He just said, look, don't worry, someday it'll be over. But I told you, over is the first nachmo. Why is the second Nachmu? And Rabbi Akiva never answered the second Nachmu except in the second story. Got it? Anyway. And in the second story, they were consoled twice. Once for <clears throat> the first story. And no. Then the uh, no. No, they were in the that there will be a redemption, which they knew, but that was, it's always a consolation to hear it again. But the real Chiddush is that that is the refuah, is the destruction itself has to happen. Why? Not to enable a redemption, but without the first destruction, right? There's no refuah, there's no medicine. So how could the second happen? Uh, you see? And that's why he smiled, uh, because he saw that the medicine was being administered, so to speak. See, so that, but it's the same two concepts as the posik, nachmu, nachmu. You see? I got that? The significance of fox is also mentioned. Significance of what? Fox. Fox. Yeah, so the fox was the sly... Mentioned also in Yishayahu, right? That the foxes will be around the rabbis. That what? That the, when the Besamidash will be destroyed, the foxes will run around the Besamidash. Uh, <coughs> yeah, okay. Well, that's Shulam Hulk, but yeah. Right. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, an, is a new dimension. Because what, what, what is what the fox are, it was very, you know, the fox are tremendous sly. You know, think that you're going this way, but really they're going that way. You know, but the same idea. You, you're looking at a hope, you think that's what it is. No, that's your medicine. It's a, it's a classic, uh, you know, idea. Not the symbol of don't, don't, don't necessarily believe what you see is really what is. It's a classic fox, you know. Okay. There you got it. I'm sorry I can't console you. Only the version can console you. But at least you understand the theory of the, uh, the idea. You see. 
and it's beautifully illustrated with the Gemara. Beautiful story, you know, and so on. Okay, what? Which Gemara is it? The end of Marcus. Yeah, it's famous. It's a famous, um, <coughs> you know, and uh, that's in the Choma. We should see in the Choma uh, shortly, hopefully. You know, before Rosh Hashanah, we'll see. We'll, hopefully, we'll see in the Choma. Uh, I told you, there's a tremendous solar eclipse happening, and that's a very good sign. You know, are you, are that, uh, you going there? Uh, yeah, I plan to go there. Yeah, I got to watch this. You know, but, um, but it's an incredible <coughs> event because. Uh, 99 years ago, th th it's not just a, a total eclipse, but it's gonna. Ha is it still on, by the way? It's not just a total solar eclipse. What's unusual? First of all, a total a, a solar eclipse total is a very bad simon for the goyim. That's what it is. Gemara says that liku hachamo is a bad simon for the goyim. You see, and the liku hachamo means an eclipse. Okay, uh, but what the unusual thing about this eclipse is will traverse the entire United States. Last time that happened was 1918, 19, uh, right? 100 years ago, whatever. And that's a tremendous thing. So not only uh, will it be some type of uh, 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 upheaval in terms of the Goyim, but I believe in, even in the United States. Something is gonna happen in the United States, I believe, which will be an upheaval of something. Something will be reversed. And we know that uh, this eclipse is happening, of course, August 21st, uh, two, uh, 2017, which is Rosh Elul, because every eclipse is a Moilad. You know, you know, every eclipse really is the new moon. But, and that's the only time you can ever see a Moilad, because the new moon is right in front of the sun. You actually see the moon, I mean, or should I should say the absence of the moon, because it's black, you know, uh, and so on, which is Rosh Elul. So that's very significant. But I, my, what I think is something significant will happen, especially to America. It's not America, it's Edoim. Because Edoim is the best of, uh, of, of um, Aesop. <coughs> so something significant hopefully will, will happen to, uh, in, in terms of being very favorable to the Jews. And I, it could be just like I gave a whole sheet on the, on the blue moon, remember the uh, blood moon? And it was, there was an incredible thing that happened. You know, I, I believe it was Trump. He became uh, just the totally reversed, uh, you know, uh, so much things in America. But that there will be something significant, I believe, uh, especially to Edwin and so on. And the next eclipse, which is even better, will again traverse the United States, but it will go, I think, from somewhere in Alabama. It will go north in, in, uh, in uh, Pennsylvania. So the whole East Coast is going to, to totality, the path of totality will be over these southern and northern states going straight up. Uh, you see, uh, so there all I have to do is drive to Pennsylvania. And you can imagine everybody in the East Coast is going to drive to, uh, you know, it's, a, it's about 100 miles away, uh, you know. But the beauty of that, when that, that eclipse will happen in April of 2024, was it seven years from now? But that eclipse is Rosh Chodesh Nisan. So that's, that's something, <coughs> you know, that uh, the, the, something which is favorable to the Jews and not favorable to the Goyim actually will happen Nisan, which is the redemption itself. So this exciting stuff to look forward to. Why are you going Fine. to see it? Why am I going to see it? Yeah. First of all, it's, it's one of the most spectacular cosmic natural events you will ever see. Those people who see it come back and say it was just, it was just uh, spectacular. 
astonishing because you see all of a sudden the moon blocked the sun and it becomes twilight you know uh, you know and then you see the corona around the sun it's spectacular I mean it's like something you know uh, and there are people who, who run it happens every one year, year and a half about but it probably happens all over the globe it can happen in Antarctica Indian Ocean you know but there are people that get they call eclipse chases you know they, they go to see everyone it's incredible you know uh, but uh, the fact that it's so close to the United States so I'm going to see it because it's spectacular why not uh, second reason I'd love to see Edoim subdued I'm going to watch it you know Edoim Esav uh, America in this case will be tremendously subdued whatever that means you know so uh, that's why I want to go you know uh, but it's a small band width starts from Oregon and ends in South Carolina you know and it's only 70 miles wide there mean millions of people watching this stuff you know so sure it'll be on, uh, YouTube or oh yeah, yeah YouTube <laughs> I mean, it'll be your TV. It's spectacular. It's just like a, this is a, an event that happens when? A hundred years it hasn't happened, you know? Oh, yeah, on TV. There'll be, oh, every astronomer, everybody's going to be into this, watching this eclipse, photographing it, and so on, you know? So you can watch it on television. You know, it's not the same, but, you know, it'll be a really a YouTube, internet. It's spectacular. Okay, see you next week. That was my uh, Nachbosheer.